Educators Amplified, the podcast. Educators Amplified, Educators Amplified, where we amplify educators' voice, amplify students' experience, amplify well-being, amplify hope, amplify what's really going on in our public schools, amplify solutions to restore the education profession, amplify new possibilities. I'm Joanna. And I'm Hallie. We see you. We hear you. We are you. Welcome to Educators Amplified. Yeah, welcome back. The podcast. You know, I got a song in my head. I'm like... Guess who's back, 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 back again, again, oh, again. Oh, she thinks she's Dr. Dre or Eminem. Because <laughs> I'm like, we've got another teacher back on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Very so exciting. we have another guest. <laughs> so I'm just really excited that we have the opportunity to amplify more teacher voices. Um, I want to give a... Reminder before we intro our guest that please keep taking our survey. I wanted to give another update of what you guys all have to say. So I just felt it was important to give a little update about what's going on. The first update I gave was about um, 80% of people were either strongly considering or like, yes, I am leaving the profession. Mm. Update. 81%. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, did things improve? No, they're getting worse. <laughs> um, I will say within that number that a lot of people are just more on the like strongly considering. And I just think it's important though to bring, like I'm not here to like exaggerate or give false information, but I do think there's value in highlighting that people are really considering it because being in that headspace, you know, isn't healthy. Oh no, I, I was just reading something that was saying like, okay, let's say everybody doesn't leave. It's still not great to have yes. a bunch of people there who don't really want to be there right? or are un in an unhealthy state. Yes. That's what I'm right. Yeah. So we've got 81% of people being like, you know, like this is a lot. Right. So while you might not have the energy to like dust up your resume and go search for better horizons, it's... It's not a great thing mm -hmm. that people aren't in a good condition and are, mm -hmm. you know, obviously we're working with kids. We, we want you to want to be there. Yep. So let me amplify some of the things that people were saying. So one person said, you know, what would you change in your day? The, the question is, what would you change in your day to day to make you stay within the education profession? I want to amplify this. They said, let me teach. Stop with meetings that don't inform my teaching. Stop with professional development that only makes us look good to the public. Stop with the increased cost of benefits and give us actual respect for the work that we are doing. Stop micromanaging and start treating us like professionals. Right now, I am forced to waste my time and energy on many things that don't help my students learn. Let me teach. Pretty clear. Right? I'm wondering what you're thinking. No, I'm not. It's pretty clear. <laughs> right. Um... Then I just, this I wanted to share too. So someone said, you know, then I had an optional. What else do you want to share? And someone said this, one big part of my success is how much support I have from families. Families' priorities have changed over my career. 
I want to work together with families to provide a solid foundation to their child's education. Social emotional needs of kids and families are at a critical stage today. We need help supporting both our students and families and how to be emotionally resilient. Mm-hmm. Again, clear, well said. Mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. Ah, teachers, love you. <laughs> so yeah, I just felt it was worth sharing a couple more of what people had said. And so again, like I said, this is open to all of you. Keep it coming. I want the numbers to keep increasing and hearing from more and more people. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to give that update so that more voices and people could be heard. Amplify that. If you're an educator, please go onto our Instagram or our Facebook page. You can find the link within the bio. You can still be amplified through that survey. So wanted to give that reminder. Right, we're really excited. Uh, studio guest today is Zach. And so, Zach, if you would kind of just give your own bio, you know, kind of tell us who you are, what you do, what your involvement has been as an educator and in your union. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I teach physics and computer science at a high school. Um, This will be my eighth year of teaching. And I was slow on the uptake to union work. I have my wife to thank for for really getting me activated and uh, into it. She's smarter than I am um, and definitely <laughs> uh, saw value where I, I was a little bit blind to it. Um, but once I did, um, I really, really have. I'm now the president of our local union. Right. Now you're president of your local. That's nuts. Yeah. That's yes. cool. So awesome. It is really easy to get um, down in this work. And I feel like union work um, at every level that I've been at so far um, is a way to kind of fight to change it. For me, it's like the last step before giving up on it, which mm. I hope is a uh, is a far off last step. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's no, it's not hidden that I always talk about. I find union work really energizing. So, like you said, it's never about the greatest things, but that whole like really working in union with other people is super powerful for a greater cause, to better somebody's condition, to help someone out of a really crappy situation. Like, yeah, there's something really powerful about it. You know, my ultimate dream I always talk about is that it wouldn't be separate, that the structure of schools implements more of this kind of democratic and not political party just process um, into the profession so that we have that feeling within our school day and not only after the school day on the evenings and weekends where we get that spark, that joy, that connection, that action, all of that. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I feel like in our local elections right now, um, kind of broadly, we're seeing this um, comparison of like union member teachers and non-union member teachers and every time I read that, I'm like, oh, that comes from such a place of misunderstanding mm-hmm. because <laughs> there really there's, you know, there's a group of teachers that's advocating for all of them. And teachers are, are reaping the benefits of that work, whether they're members or not, right? They're like, when you pose this as losers as a result of union work, it's so befuddling to me now that I've been a part of it because it's like, we, <laughs> we are going to support candidates. We're going to um, support changes and support programs that make 
students, you know, lives better and teachers' lives better. Like that's mm-hmm. it. Like there's no no one loses there. Um, and so it's it's such a such a deeply flawed way to pose. It's like, oh well, if the union wins, someone's got to lose. And it's like, no. When when uh-huh. working people win, everybody wins. I know. I remember our friend was just kind of really saying that. You know, we were evaluating like who was where, you know, and he was just completely dejected over like why people, you know, like our colleagues. He was like, I just don't understand why they don't want to be in this fight with us. And again, we don't say fight like nasty fight. We're saying movement towards something better, you Mm -hmm. know, this advocacy for something better. And just like, I don't get it. Like, right. It's all, it's all upside. It's all good. I think that there's something, you know, I, I have to move through a couple of waves of anger <laughs> first to be like, yeah, like maybe the people that aren't members don't, you know, don't value the same things. And it's like, ultimately, I don't think that's true. And then I'm like, maybe they're just lazy. And it's like, even that is an oversimplification, oversimplica- right, mm-hmm. of where other people are coming from. Um, but I do think that I've noticed in the last two years um, that I have a choice a lot of times to be happy or aware <laughs> of what's going on. Um, and so I do, I feel like I'm most comfortable explaining it with, you know, some people are just, they've decided to be happy and any kind of, you know, giving up that time to, to work even for a cause they believe in, um, it gives kind of power to those problems that they can maybe ignore easier if they don't, you know, if they don't apply themselves again, all of that sounds a little bit negative and I don't mean it to at all. I, no. I really think that it's, it's a trade-off that. I'm <laughs> trying to get better at, but so far happiness doesn't <laughs> doesn't interest me as much as uh, as knowing what's going on. Right. Well, or again, maybe it looks like external happiness. I don't know. It can be saving themselves or something, um, but it really is unique. Um, your involvement and you choosing to be a president at this stage in your career. Um, so, can you? Describe a little bit more just about, like, what has that been like for you in terms of, like, what has been – you've kind of talked about some of the things that are really cool. What has been a challenge? I work in the um, school district that I graduated from, and so I have lots of, like, connections and history there beforehand. Um, So maybe that goes my favor. Oh, that probably really helps. No, people know you. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. They helped – create you know like they (laughs) influenced you yeah i I do think i do think that there's some um self-preservation not preservation but self-interest yeah um, that when people are like yeah we'll give um more trust yeah we'll trust you because we've kind of we've yeah like we said we've we've informed your your view of the world right um being a male is probably pretty helpful to (laughs) right i mean there's a there's a whole system um in my favor that way but i also think that and this goes more to the the challenges that I have faced before 2020. I don't like my list of challenges would have been short, and I, I think that was one part of me ignoring them and kind of being oblivious, and one part um, thinking that I like found this Goldilocks uh, district that I oh the, you know these administrators um, value me and they mm-hmm. value my input and they uh, want to work with us. It doesn't matter that we lost collective bargaining. Like they really they bring us to the table and. Um, so I, I think my challenges in the last few years have been getting administrators, getting our school board to recognize pretty baseline concerns, right, for safety um, of children, safety of adults um, and their families. 
and really getting them to prioritize that over angry, misplaced frustration mm -hmm. that, that has been directed at them. They don't deserve that either. Mm -hmm. um, but to offload that onto people who have already been, you know, been stressed to, <laughs> mm -hmm. to unknown bounds, that's challenging. Mm -hmm. Like to, to learn that maybe this isn't Goldilocks um, after all. How Hallie and I have interpreted it just through our lens, like of what we do as professionals, is everybody's feelings are legitimate. You know, mm -hmm. wherever you stand and whatever. Like again, we're humans. We have these emotions. They, they, they go up. They go down. Everybody's feelings are legitimate. But we, what we have seen really clearly is again the system and structure of education does not respond to bad feelings and discomfort well. Mm -hmm. And so it actually kind of points to a weakness in our whole system because it's similar to where we kind of aren't doing the best for kids either, right? Because when kids have really uh, big variations in their emotion, you know, or when things are uncomfortable, we don't, we don't have a good response to that. It's just not baked in. And so then that's what we saw at the highest level, too. And that's where I say, like, everybody's feelings are legitimate. I understand, you know, again, where people are going to be passionate about one thing or another or just what, like, heavy or, like, highly activated emotion is. But I think what you're expressing is that at a certain point of time, we saw that there just there wasn't a way to to work through that. And it kind of has been at the expense of the professionals that are serving in the profession right Well, now. and children. I hear it too of, I mean, you said it well, where you're like, I kind of thought I was in this like Goldilocks district and what does it matter that there's not collective bargaining? Because we still are talking with them. But I think what 2020 really exaggerated was you want to be able to like, to just intellectually have a conversation about what would be best during this crisis or during the situation of a pandemic. And instead of it being a conversation, it was more of like a teacher went to an administrator and then administrator felt like they had to respond with like, oh, here's the answer. Where I think teachers are more like, well, no, how come we can't create a new idea together? How come we can't brainstorm what would be best together? Instead, it was very much like teachers being like, okay, so you're saying this, but here's why it doesn't work. And we're met with like, oh, no, no, no. Like, this is why it does work. And you're like, well, wait, like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, that wasn't... Right what we were getting at right. but that's what we're met with almost so that collective bargaining piece being gone right doesn't have the the channels well, in place right that is necessary and yet how that operated wasn't like you know there was there was plenty to be improved with that too however it did again just guarantee that there was one process where you were really working as equals. Mm -hmm. Because everything else within the system is actually very paternalistic. And what I mean by that is like just the view of like hierarchy mm -hmm. and top down. And yep. so it was like, teachers, you want to feel safe? You need to ask for that. Right. Okay? Right. And we're going to let you know. Well, and I think yeah. when there's a hierarchy and then there's a crisis, the people who are at the quote unquote top feel like they need to 
solve everything mm-hmm. and tamper it for totally. the people, quote unquote, below. You know, I think that was the headspace where it was more like, ooh, we could probably approach this differently right. and not be operating from crisis. Right. Yeah. Another thing that really got got to me when we're talking about this hierarchy is when district office makes a decision about curriculum, it's obviously very important and can sometimes be uninformed or maybe ill-informed, but it doesn't, like the impacts on teachers and students are not immediate and also I think like able to be mm. um, maybe moved, you know, mm-hmm. or in, mitigated. In time. Right, mitigated. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Exactly. Um, but what I felt time and time again was like on February 1st, you're coming back to buildings, nobody's vaccinated, and we're just going to hope nobody gets sick. And the people making that decision got to go and work in their individual offices mm. without any. So it was like, on that first day when everyone mm-hmm. comes back, people could get sick and there was no way to mitigate it. There was no way to like change that. Some people got sick because of a decision you made and you, I felt like the um, the consequences of their decisions were not felt at all by themselves, right? That there was mm-hmm. like no, they had no skin in the game. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, and I feel like that actually, once I started to notice that, I was like, oh, how many decisions do they really have no skin in the game? There mm-hmm. are lots, right? Mm-hmm. But there's this layer that we as people in the room with the children knowing you know, what is best for them, what is harmful, we can kind of say, ooh, this, not so much this, oh yeah, more of that. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't do that in this in this specific case. Um, and so that, yeah, I don't know, that opened up my eyes. I think, like mm-hmm. you said before, it exaggerated something that probably definitely existed mm-hmm. before. Mm, that's got me thinking... Just we've been really talking uh, where we're at in our instruction these days is the idea of Mm -hmm. Mm co-regulation and buffering stress Mm -hmm. and the importance of, one, having other people to co-regulate with, meaning like literally, right, this is kind of what's cool about humans is we do energetically Mm -hmm. sense, you know, where someone else's nervous system Mm -hmm. is honestly Mm -hmm. at. And so there's just something in you were, what you were saying is making me think about that. Like, wh- so base would be like, let's, let's set up the scenario so we're at least able to co-regulate. That's why this has been so hard. We don't, we don't have that and we don't see that with one another. And then the importance of buffering stress. And this is especially important, again, when we talk about the different like types of trauma, you know, where mm-hmm. there's like positive trauma, which means, you know, it's. It just comes and goes. It's normal. It's the healthy. And then there's tolerant. And that's where, like, okay, you have kind of some longer-lasting, sustained worry, but it it is buffered. And so then it there are some things to buffer it, and so it doesn't have these long-term and physiological effects. And then there's the, the toxic, which is the ongoing all the time, and even the buffering isn't enough. Right. And so... That was something like even like you said, when I hear about how decisions were made or, you know, when we've been okay with discomfort or not known what to do again, like this to me sounds like basic, like, okay, we got to figure out co-regulating what's going to happen to buffer stress. And that language just isn't here. And even though we as a profession weren't using that language, that's what we were saying. Mm-hmm. That was the point. That was the intuitive 
thought. It wasn't complete resistance. No. It wasn't. It was more just like, okay, there's got to be something, right? Right. <laughs> right. Right. This something. This cannot be our best. <laughs> right. Yeah. So what are you then, okay, so you're seeing all of this and it's, these light bulbs are going off, these epiphanies are happening in your mind. So then we're, we're like, I'm just curious, like, do you get just angry? Are you like, oh, I can't even handle this? Like, do you feel like you can keep going? Yeah. Or just um, what does it feel like <laughs> as you realize it? Um, I mean, angry first, definitely angry first. And now I'm trying to think like in the last two years, that was probably like more more prevalent and, and more of my my reaction, my energy spent. I do think that I, I saw no good in just being angry. I saw no mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. didn't um, that didn't actually affect any change. Um, and so then when I could focus on the things that I could change, what it did for me was focus on like our school board mm-hmm. way more, which was something that I had never really thought about and had never really cared about um, mm-hmm. because it was like, okay, I had people in places of power that I trusted, and I thought that they trusted my input. They don't. Mm-hmm. And when I say, please respect our humanity, <laughs> mm-hmm. please um, make sure that the kids in our classroom are safe first so that we can then try to attempt to teach them. And they said no. Then I was like, okay, well, I need, I need someone else to ask now. Like, I can't, if I keep mm-hmm. asking you, this is just mm-hmm. all I'm going to get. Um, and so even even when it became, like, a much more difficult thing, it was at least, like, something to, to mm. point at and run towards. Yeah. Um, and then I think what's cool about that is that people started to apply themselves where I hadn't seen them before, um, which is is kind of wild. I feel like we get stuck in this um, catch-22 kind of that we're like, people don't want to do anything because we're not trying to do anything. And, when, you know, I'm talking about organization, like, oh, we shouldn't, you know, let's not uh, endorse candidates because that's like a little bit out there. We don't want to turn off any of our membership. And I'm like, no, I think actually like being involved is going to mm-hmm. make people wake up and be like, yeah, this is why I'm part of this organization because it, it values me and it it's going to operate, you know, in mm-hmm. a larger sense with my best interests in mind. Um, and so that's what I did is mm-hmm. I, I started to look yeah. for other ways that I could actually okay. change the system that we're in before, I don't know, before I gave up on it. Because that was, that was, I think, <laughs> the first thought was just, okay, oh, yeah. then I'm leaving. Right? Yeah. Then I'll go find uh, something safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are observations you do just see about kids in general? So you work with high school kids. Right. And so mm-hmm. when you think about when you started through going through the pandemic, what are you seeing or what would you share about high school kids? That is one thing that has been exaggerated in, a, in the very best way um, to me is, is student resiliency. Um, even when and I know that as a system, we are not providing them, like we're not doing our part and yet they're still showing up and still operating better than we, we really could have asked them to. Um, I think like specifically this year, um, we've had students that are choosing to mask and students that aren't and um, really like respectful interactions mm. between um, between those students and, and something that I was worried about and something that, you know, as we were advocating for policies, I said, this is going to, you know, this is going to ostracize some students and this is going to cause problems. And it really hasn't. Um, and I, in fact, like when I went to the grocery store and a mask, 
I would have weirder interactions with adults than I did with these like 16 year olds mm, right. that are just like, oh, I get it. Like, yeah, you got to do that thing. I'm doing this thing. And like, we can, we still, we have a job to do here. We have to work together. Um, mm, and that's no. really, that's, that's good. You know, that gives me hope mm-hmm. that, that oh, they're, they're all right. so accepting Ugh, and I know. connecting. It's yeah. beautiful. Kids are so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. In that regard. Thank you for bringing that up. And reading any kind of, you know, semi-public like discourse between adults, I, I can't imagine getting 900 adults in my hometown into a, a high school building and have them spend time with each other for one day because it would just be too violent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they just cannot mm-hmm. talk to each other. Um, but students can still do that. And I feel like that's something that has become so much more important to me as an educator recently is that mm-hmm. after they leave high school, I mean, so many of them are not going to have that opportunity to go talk to people that aren't you know, in their family, in their workplace, in their friend group. That's a really like like they're good at it, and we should we should really make sure that while they're there, it is building them to be the best you know they can be. It's time to learn from them, and that's mm-hmm. you know just something the way our setup is. But I think all educators do like right students out there listening. We are paying attention to you. Mm-hmm. You guide our work, mm-hmm. and um, there is just so much to learn from that. Yeah. So you were saying you noticed that, right, kids are good to each other and yeah. that mm-hmm. you have this large group of humans together and it's going all right. Right. What are other observations you're seeing in just high school kids and their school experience? I feel like in the overarching, in the theater and on the field, um, they are enjoying school, um, mm-hmm. which I think that that was like one of the, the biggest things that the pandemic really, like we said, okay, what if we strip away everything that brings students joy and we just give them like a lecture through their Chromebook um, seven hours in a row? Like that, that'll work, <laughs> right? Surely that will be, oh gosh, that, right. that will be okay. Oh, um, I laugh because it's so sad how it, that's just the truth. It's, it's, and, and that goes back to, you know, what you were saying before is that we didn't, we took no time to imagine. Mm-hmm. We didn't think about what um, needs we weren't meeting. And then we threw our hands up and we're like, there's more Fs now than there've ever been before. And it's like, yeah, there's more Fs. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, look what we asked them to do. It's, it's impossible. It is just... Um, crazy. So seeing those things is good because it gives students a reason to be there. And like, we have to remind ourselves that they're not there because they love math. Like they're right. not there because they woke up and they're like, damn, I would love to know more about physics. I, you know, <laughs> I, I'm going to go find the closest place that I can learn physics <laughs> and attend there for 180 days. You know, like they're, mm-hmm. they're not thinking that we're, we're giving back those extrinsic motivators, um, which I think are, is very healthy, and especially, in my opinion, as we can do it safely, um, that is absolutely worth our, our time and effort to do. Yeah. Yeah, it really accentuated how important it is to mm-hmm. meet the needs of the whole child. Totally. You know, that yeah. it is all of it. Like the intellectual stuff, like you said, we were able to, I guess, send via Zoom but that emotional, that social, that physical, mm-hmm. 75% mm-hmm. of that learning and growth is what they come to the place for, you know, or mm-hmm. what they get from that direct uh, experience. I've always seen it as connected, but I feel like students and teachers are connected now more than ever. Completely. And part of it is that, and I don't know if people think that that's selfish, but I'm like, where we're kind of getting a clue and saying like, you know, the the whole child's important, 
It's also the whole teacher's important. Mm -hmm. That's why the depletion, that's why the exiting. Because too, and this is related to the union stuff that we were talking about, is that that has really never been paid attention to, is the whole, again, like you as a whole person, how are we ensuring that you are experiencing meaning and purpose in your work? How are we ensuring that you have strong connections with the other humans that you're doing this job with. How are we, you know, making sure that this job recognizes your assets in in in-depth, meaningful ways? Mm -hmm. And so, right, what we're what we're seeing that our students really needed, and that just is obvious. And we can look at that and call it that. That's actually the same thing that's happening for teachers right now. But we're not calling it that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And other people have a lot of names for it. Like, you know, right, they'll they'll talk about you don't need these benefits. You don't need these. Like, this is lazy. This is greedy. This is, and it's like, <laughs> we have to be a full person to show up for all those other full people. Like, how can you expect us not to? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Mm, good stuff, Zach. <laughs> I will say that my approach has changed a ton to like every, when you were asking me about what I've seen in students. I feel like last year really broke my brain thinking mm. like when when I'm going to work. It kind of it, it made me like question and then define like what what am I trying to achieve? Because um, I feel like in the last couple of years, a we couldn't achieve everything we wanted to, um, and b it was kind of like if this is the system that I'm in and this is how much I'm valued by the system, I got to make sure that I'm not. <laughs> giving so much that like you know that I that I run out um, and so really picking like what what parts of myself do I want to make sure that I'm conveying and, and teaching kids and what parts aren't really worth it and what I decided on was you know the content that I, I really do love and the reason that I you know went into all of this isn't the one thing I want kids to, to take mm-hmm. away I want kids to to definitely engage and understand but um, I told all of my students this year that like if we can be a successful community by the end of this semester, like that's the one thing everyone has to leave with. And then if some of you learn physics or some of you learn how to, you know, write code in Python, like great. That would be that would be an excellent addition. Mm. So Yeah, they need that. They are sure. searching for these communities. Oh yes. Yep. And wow, that's really that's really cool. Right. That's why we amplify the voices mm-hmm. of educators. I love how you said that. That's for real. What are you feeling with people in? What are you feeling collective about or in solidarity or in union with? When you hear the term, like, we are you, what are you feeling with others? Um, I think, I mean, this weekend we canvassed um, our a couple of neighborhoods in our school district. Um, we walked, like, 15 miles. It's cool to see the people out there walking with you. It's cool to, like, meet up and see, like, these people, you know, are going to give up three hours, five hours, however many hours. What's even cooler is knocking on people's doors and talking to them. And it it completely, like I was so afraid mm-hmm. of the negative interactions. And were there negative interactions? Yes, but so few and so easy to forget because they're in between dozens of positive ones that people like really want to um, to engage and to learn and to support and to understand. And it's like, what? Like, I thought Instagram was supposed to make people understand me. And it's like, 
<laughs> and it never feels like that. But when you walk up to somebody's door and knock on it in the middle uh-huh. of a Saturday and they answer and then you talk to them for five minutes, that actually, oh, okay. I get it. Like, it's a good feeling. So oh, That's super cool. That gave me chills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, I love it. Anything else? Before we wrap, is there anything you had, when you thought about doing this, mm-hmm. was there anything you're like, oh, I hope I get to talk about this, or I'd like to say this? There, there are two things I didn't want to like uh, fixate on, and that's what we talked about the whole time. So I, <laughs> I did perfectly. Um, join your union and be active in your union. Seek the things that actually give you life. And like, and I don't think that, unfortunately, with large organizations, I'm not saying that everything is going to give you that feeling, but when you find it, do work there. It's useful, and like like you were saying before, it's re-energizing, which I think is honestly a one of the least sold benefits of, of being in a group of people with mm-hmm. like values. And, mm-hmm. um, right, it's crazy. That's what Hallie will say to me sometimes, like, how do you keep going? I'm like, right, I just... I like, I mean, you do too, but it's like, what can keep you going for 26 years mm-hmm. is, yeah. I like how naggy reggae I sound in your head. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> but, right, like, yeah, I love you mentioning that it's an undersold benefit of why. Feel like you're getting somewhere? Right. Well, that was always it, mm-hmm. where I'm like, if you want to get somewhere, get off your school district-run committee right. and get into your union. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, we put in a ton of work, but it actually feels okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it was so fun to have you on here today. Thank you so much for everything that you shared and amplified. Give Zach some love on our Instagram and Facebook page at Educators Amplified. You can always email us at educatorsamplified at gmail.com. And then, right, keep answering our survey. We'd love to amplify you through that way as well. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We love that you're listening. We love that people come on here. And so, thanks. Educators Amplified, the podcast, is recorded at Silver City Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Theme music composed by Josh Evert, with original music by DJ Drip Sweat. Thank you to our sponsor, WEA Academy. Educators Amplified, the podcast.